scripture where they, they tried to get on Jesus because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And they didn't like that. The Pharisees didn't like that. And they, they went to the guy's father and said, well, what's going on here? You know, Jesus healed your son. What's... The father said, hey, talk to him. And, you know, and you know, he was blind and now he sees, you know. And so I think, you know, sometimes we, we think that we can't talk about the Lord to people because we don't know the Bible. You know, I mean, how many people really had a Bible, you know, physical Bible during the book of Acts? They had a testimony, you know, and of course they heard the teachings in, in the synagogues and things like that, but they had a testimony. They didn't, you know, we have so many versions of the Bible at this point, you know, we pick and choose, you know, each one, each of the, each of the versions that we want to use. So, you know, it's, it's, I want to give a little bit of, uh, before we get into the school, because basically because even though Mark said he knew me as a little boy, I didn't have curly hair, by the way. My hair is, this is it. This is the original. So, you know, I don't want, I don't want to call you a liar, but uh, I, I, I did have some fake curly hair when I was uh, a young preacher in the 90s, and it was a stylish in the 80s and 90s. I, it's a funny, funny thing about that is, is somebody that just came to the church at that particular time, and I, my, our last child, the youngest one, was born in 86. And, and she is uh, dark-skinned like my wife, Who's there? And they're doing my wife. My wife is this young, beautiful woman in front here, and um, and uh, she's got curly hair. And so when the baby was born and and, and it was dark skinned, and somebody looks at, well, the only thing that she has that her dad is her hair. Well, the people that were saying that didn't know that I had a a, a permanent, or you know, they used it back there, you know. You know <laughs> Some of the older guys, and that we always think the anointing is, you know, we see somebody, the anointing, the anointing, got to have curly hair. It's curly hair time. Got to have white shoes. Maybe some of the people remember back in the 70s, got a suit with white shoes. Now we use jeans with white shoes. That's, that's where the anointing comes from. So, at any rate, for the people who don't know me or don't know us, I came to the Lord in 1972. Um, 4th, August 4th, 1972, in a ministry called House of Peace that was down on Walter Avenue and Central, Central and Walter Avenue. Uh, I was a hippie running from the police back then, um, and I got here to Albuquerque because I had a brother living here, and, and I ended up living down on Walter Avenue, and there was a ministry to, um, I lived on High Street, but there was a ministry on Walter Avenue that was for young people at that particular time. John Kalkomar was the person who started that ministry, and I came to the Lord through that ministry. So after that ministry shut down, I started working doing construction work with Mossman and Gladden. That's that, I, I could I could tell a bunch of stories about how I really messed up. The, the guy Mossman was such such a beautiful man. He he put up with me, you know, and so we <laughs> I didn't know how to drive a stick. And he put me in a truck to go up to Chama, New Mexico. And I got to about the Santa Fe, and I figured out I didn't know how to do it. And then he got out of his truck, and he said, well, it's first, second, third, okay, got it. And, um, but at any rate, John took me down to Mexico, and it's, it's funny, kind of funny. It was also August 4th, 1975, and I didn't know that I was going to stay there. Now, I'm going to throw this out also. I'm... I'm I, uh, just for the fact that sometimes our, we don't know exactly what God wants to do with our lives. And being obedient 
to our pastor at this time. He was, he was seeing whether God wanted to start an orphanage in Chihuahua. And there was a couple of Americans living there. And I wanted to serve the Lord in a different way. I mean, everybody serves the Lord. There's no way. It's a, style, it's a lifestyle. If you're a Christian, it doesn't matter whether you're a professional, whether you're a student, whether you're a housewife. All of us are full-time. All of us. We are all missionaries because God gave us a mission. Go and preach the gospel. So I am no different than you in that sense. We are all missionaries. And um, at any rate, he took me down there, and he, he left me there. And I've been there ever since. He never came back. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, God started confirming his word on my life about being there. met my wife. We married in 1976. And uh, we, were, we were involved in different church planning and things like that. And through a visit we made to Mexico City with a couple of the name Villanueva, maybe the older folks would know it, Bill and Myrtle Villanueva, we went down to Mexico City and God just started opening up the vision he had for our lives of starting a church called Amistad Cristiana in Chihuahua, a vision different than, than what the traditional church was. And we came back, and at that time, you had an a, a associate pastor here named Don Kimbrough. And Don and Dorothy went down and stayed with us for two months and helped us sort out everything we were thinking at that time as far as vision. And just write, I remember Don had me write everything out, you know, well, what, do you, what is this? You know, what do you, first off, we didn't have a name. He said, well, what is it? What's it all about? Well, we, we want to have a fellowship. And, you know, Christian fellowship. Well, okay, let's put Christian fellowship. Amistad Cristiana. And that's how, that's how, that's how we got the name. And um, so at any rate, he helped me sort all that things out. And one of the things that we wanted to do was start a Christian school. Not a Bible school, a Christian school. where They would, they would have the uh, curriculum just like any other school, but with a focus on Christian values, with prayer times, with scripture times, everything like that. We wanted to do that. So Amistad, as a church, we started the 29th of January, 1981. So you can, it's pretty, pretty easy to figure out. I guess it's 40 years at this point. We're in 2021. And um, we had the vision of the school, but that didn't start until 1990, which makes 30 years a 30-year anniversary we're at right now in starting a Christian school. We have, um, actually, we have about 360 students. We go kindergarten, grade school, middle school, high school. Um, And we've had as many as as over 500 students over the years. Uh, For the different situations, we have less amount of students, especially with the COVID changed the whole, the whole, uh, thing about teaching, I mean, before COVID hit, we had like 420 students, which was pretty much what we've had over the years. And uh, when COVID hit and, and trying to figure out how are we going to educate it, and we moved into a different, different system where we have what they call a hybrid system, where uh, right now we're going back, we're back in school again, but we can only have 50% of the, of the students in each classroom. So what we had to do is we had to put a camera in each classroom we had to have a, the teacher has to have a microphone and headset. And so whether it's your turn to be physically there or not, 
you will get the same teaching in real time. And that's, that's what we're doing at this point. It's, it's, been, it's been expensive. And, and, uh, and to the school in itself has been expensive because it's not a for-profit for uh, type of school. It's a ministry. It's a ministry because many people have come to the Lord over the years through the school. And we've had people that um, um, have, have gone into the professional world. And, and some of them, you know, sports people, are, my school director's uh, son had a full scholarship to uh, Louisville playing soccer. He was a good, a good soccer player. And, uh, and we've had, um, what, is it, what is the guy? We have someone that's uh, is doing recording, and he's got some platinum uh, 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 what do you say, awards for his involving recording with, was it Khalik or Khalib or something, some, a, a black guy from El Paso. And uh, he, is, he has done some of his stuff. And so it's good to know that, you know, the school we've been able to seed into people's lives over the years. And we have people that are, you know, out on the mission field. We have a, one of our missionaries is in, in Barcelona, Spain. Another one went, worked for YWAM for a while. And then is at uh, right now in Holland living with her husband, and um, I'm trying to think who else who else from the school. But we've had you know, people all over, so it's been a blessing. It's been a challenge. It's a ministry, and I just wanted to let that um, that you would know that it's been difficult because our our um, the amount of students we needed before to be able to operate was 470, and we had 420 for about five years. So do the math. We were about 50 students under the, the, the operating cost. But we, we just felt that it was a ministry and it needed to go on. Right now we're at about 360, I think. I'm not sure exactly. And we're still working to get more students in. We need about 390-some to meet the general operating cost. So what we do is we try to do activities and things like that to, to help with the cost so, you know, I, I don't know if I'm, you know, Mark wanted me to, to say, I guess, all this stuff. So we've been, we've been in, in, the, in the red, but, you know, the good thing was we're in the, in the Jesus red, too. His blood has kept us alive and kept us going. So the, the couple, I want to put a, um, a short video of a couple that came to the Lord through uh, the school. And they will, they will tell their own story. I won't tell it. I'll let you listen to it. And, and then at the end, um, I guess I'll give the word to you. How's that sound? Is that okay? Hey, get ready to read, okay? In Mexico, we watch movies with subtitles because all the movies in English are subtitles. Some of them, they, they dub them, but most of them are subtitles. And so um, you're going to do some subtitling. I don't know if that's an English word, subtitling. So... Get, get ready for it. He, he, he's a lovely couple, lovely family. That he is actually, I'll just tell you, he, he is our pastor with the children's ministry, with the, with the nursery ministry. He's a, the pastor of the nursery ministry. Okay? Go ahead. Hola, buenos días. Nosotros somos la familia Quintela y el día de hoy queremos compartirles un poco de nuestra experiencia a través de, de lo que es el Instituto México Moderno. Si me preguntan a mí qué significa México Moderno, qué me inspira México Moderno, es gratitud. 
por el amor que nos mostraron, por la empatía que tuvieron en la necesidad por la cual llegamos aquí. Ellos cambiaron diagnósticos médicos, puesto que nos dijeron que nuestro hijo no iba a terminar ni siquiera bachilleres. Y él ya terminó su carrera universitaria. Vemos la mano de Dios a través de las personas que nos arroparon y nos abrazaron cuando tuvimos una necesidad. Estamos sumamente agradecidos. Cuando llegué al instituto yo llegué con temores, con ansiedades, inseguridades y aquí los maestros, compañeros y psicólogos me ayudaron a salir adelante, me ayudaron tanto emocional y espiritualmente. Y hasta la fecha, a través del Instituto México Moderno, conocí a Jesús y ahorita estoy en amistad sirviendo. Eh, vemos la mano de Dios en todo lo, lo, lo que ha hecho a través de la vida de nuestro hijo y, y obviamente la nuestra. Más allá de lo académico, que el Instituto México Moderno es una de las grandes instituciones de nuestra ciudad, va más allá. ¿Cómo ha transformado la vida de no solo nuestro hijo Irving, sino fuimos alcanzados los tres como familia? Tenemos varios años aquí en amistad, sirviendo y actualmente agradecidos y comprometidos por ayudar a, a, a la gente, así como en algún momento nuestra necesidad fue atendida a través de la gente que trabaja en el México Moderno. Muchas gracias, estamos agradecidos, de verdad. Nuestro corazón está pues, lleno de amor y gratitud por lo que nos ayudaron en, en México Moderno. En el Instituto Bilingüe México Moderno contamos con 30 años de experiencia brindando servicios educativos desde preescolar hasta bachillerato. Ofrecemos una educación bilingüe basada en valores bíblicos con resultados internacionales. Nuestro enfoque es formar individuos que amen a Dios y a su prójimo en un ambiente de aprendizaje con disciplina y respeto. Además de los contenidos que marca la SEP, contamos con alianzas estratégicas que permiten al alumno desarrollarse en múltiples áreas, así como certificarse en el idioma inglés. Te invitamos a formar parte del México Moderno. Si estás interesado, puedes obtener más información en www.mexicomoderno.edu.mx y en el teléfono 614-442-9900. Okay. They're a beautiful family, beautiful family. He, he works for, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with Foxconn, I guess it would be. Foxconn is, is like an international um, business, works with cell phones and things like that, whatever the needs they have. Uh, he's an engineer that works with them, and his wife is a psychologist. So she, she struggled with her own son's problems of fitting in and um, but he's he's also studied psychology and he's graduated now so you know god is good and what a testimony they have and like i said each one of you has a testimony of what god has done in your lives tremendous tool for evangelism so it's so important and i want to get into the word uh, i i put as a subject the power of our words or the power of words You know, and I, I was thinking about that. I don't know if any of you remember, at least I do, when I was a kid, we had a thing where little kids, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, and we would tell, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Didn't we? Wasn't that such a lie? I mean, we, 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 we said it out as children, but wasn't that such a lie, you know? You know and I want to ask to raise your hands, but most of us, somewhere along in our life, we... We, they put a nickname on us, you know, and, and, and you know, that's just the way it was. And, 
Now, I know there was there were certain things that, that were okay when I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, so, we, you know, our city was comprised of all different sections of people. So we had friends, and so in Salvador, the Italian, right? This guy, the Polak, he's Polish. And, you know, this guy, the, the, the Irish guy. And so, you know, you know we, we had one, I remember growing up, just one Latin person. Because Baltimore is south of New York City, south of Jersey. And we're talking in the uh, 50s. I, I was born in 48, so I'm 72 going to 73. So when I was growing up, there weren't, I can't even remember, any, any Spanish people except one person. His last name was Gonzalez. Think about it. What was his nickname? Come on, come on, come on. His last name was Gonzalez. What do we call him? Speedy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, what other name? He, that, that just fit right into him. So, you know, we, we really have to understand that, you know. Some of us still are hurting from that nickname that they gave us. And, it, and it's sad whether you believe it or not, I was the fat guy. You look at—I mean, I got tall, but I was a late bloomer. You know, when I was younger, I, you know, I, I played football. I was the fat. I played on the line. I was—I was a defensive tackle, and I, you know, I wasn't tall, and I'm not all that thin. You know, I mean, you don't see it because this, this blocks this part out. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it hurt. It hurt. To hear that, you, you know, you, you don't say anything. And I just figured out, you know, sticks and stones are, are better than being called names. So I'm going to talk about that because the words that we, we talk, you and I talk, they're like seeds. And we're planting in seeds in the lives of other people. And we're also planting seeds in our own lives, you know. So when everything that we say, everything that we talk you know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we can get down on ourselves, you know. Oh, you're so... I just found out that, that, that my, a word that's not acceptable. I'll, I'm going to use it. Sometimes we're so stupid. And I, 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 that was never a bad word, except I had my grandchildren down. They, they live up uh, in Chicago. And uh, they were down. My daughter married someone who worked at Willow, works at Willow Creek up there. And so... Uh, we were talking about, oh, oh, that's so stupid. And my granddaughter looks at me, Grandpa, you said the S word. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> stupid? No, Grandpa, don't say that. <laughs> so evidently, I don't know here in, in New Mexico, but evidently where she was going to school, that was considered not a nice word. And uh, but anyway, the words we say, you know, are, are so so important. And I got a question: Are we planting seeds of faith in the people? Are we planting seeds of doubt in the people? What are we planting in the people? You know, what is our conversation like? You know, if we really think about it for a moment, what what are we saying to the people? And what are we saying to ourselves? You know, are we like, oh, I'm so stupid? No. We are sons and daughters of a living God. Yes, we're in a process, but we have a testimony. God changed us. Yeah, we have, we have problems still, and we have struggles, and we go through situations where, where we think, oh, no, another time I did it again. Lord, I'm just so no, oh. 
You know what I mean, you know. We all struggle with things. You know, my dad had a, had a, a word that he liked to say to everybody that, that cut him off when he was driving. Oh, jerk. You know. And <laughs> so I find myself saying stuff like that, you know. And I said, God, that's not me. That's not me now. I have to, I have to do something, you know. Don't say jerk, talk in tongues or something. I don't know. <laughs> Anything, but they, they, but let's let's just you know when when uh, Mark I said I said Mark you know what do you want me to speak on he said well we're we're reading through the Bible and that week uh, we have scripture to read and I was thinking oh good maybe maybe it'll be one of the Gospels he said we're reading Proverbs ten to seventeen I believe it is and I'm thinking Proverbs each verse of Proverbs is a is, is a sermon. <laughs> You know, I says, what, what, what is he doing to me? <laughs> so the reason I'm talking on the power of words, I took scriptures out of the, those, those proverbs that dealt with words. And obviously, uh, the, these proverbs are their contrast. You know, they say, well, this is the way the righteous is. This is the way the wicked are. So I might not say all of them the way that they're there. I might just say part of it, but let's start out with that. Proverbs 10, 21. This is good. A good person's word will benefit many people, but you can kill yourself with stupidity. Yeah. Loose lips sink ships. No, something like that. Loose lips sink ships. Isn't that a thing that we used to, I remember hearing that many, many years ago. And sometimes that ship is me. So, you know, we have to be really, really careful. A good person's word will benefit many people. When we talk, are we benefiting the people? The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. And the mouth of the righteous is the fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So, you know, everything that we say is going into someone's ear and it's also going into our ear. Are we are we saying things that are good? Are we you know saying speaking life into people? Are we challenging challenging the people to trust God? Or are we putting doubt into them? You know, it's 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 amazing how powerful words can be, and and that's why when in the in the watching the TV. You know, or even even a movie, it's all geared so that you will think a certain way. And they they do it so. You know, and and during COVID was such a was a terrible time. You know, we every I remember at the very beginning that uh, you know you, you didn't want to touch anything, and anything you touch, you were spraying your hands and and doing things. And that, that's not not that's a bad thing, but uh, but it, you know the. There was a time where I had to take a position. I said, no, God is not giving me a spirit of fear. I can be careful, yes, but he has not given me a spirit of fear. So, I, you know, I need to distinguish between that because all of a sudden we were seeding fear into people instead of seeding faith into people. And so it, it's so so important. And I, I remember at the very beginning it, it was... It was uh, I remember the first funeral service I did. It was on a Sunday afternoon. There was never, there were, at this point, it was at the very beginning, there were very few restrictions. Didn't have to put any, any mask on, didn't, 
didn't, and there was no one in the, in the door to t- taking the temperature. No one was there with a gel that you could clean your hands up. There was nothing. You know, they didn't have any restrictions as far as people, you know. And think about it for a second. Uh, Hispanic people are very family-oriented. So, I mean, you know, if someone gets a cold and, and you don't show up, you know, I mean, that's that, that, that bad, you know. It's like, you know, I had, a, <laughs> I had a friend who was a nurse here. And she had a thing. She said she was working at Presbyterian Hospital. She says, you know, when someone Hispanic is, is, is not doing so well, we can find outside there's a lot of Kentucky Fried Chicken boxes where everybody was sitting outside and eating. <laughs> so at any rate, yeah, you, you, you better, everybody shows up. Somebody gets sick and everybody shows up. And so think about it. The funeral, the funeral parlor was filled. But I looked at my wife. I went out the door. I went by myself. I said, you know, they need a hug. They need someone to tell them it's going to be okay. They need someone to say, okay, I want to pray with you. Uh, they need someone to say, you know, it, it, I, I, I understand it's difficult, you know, even though none of us really understand what someone feels when they lose a loved one. But a hug, just being there, is so, so important. And I, I just took it from the very beginning because uh, you know, they had this thing in, in Chihuahua, stay at home, stay at home, you know, and I'm, I said, I can't. God has called me to be a pastor. He has called me to serve the people. I can't be at home. Jesus was never at home. He touched lepers. Jesus was never at home. He went to where he had to go to meet the need that had to be met. So, you know, it's so, so, so important. Proverbs, they say, what do we say? Do our words heal or do they hurt? Think about it. When I'm talking to somebody, it, Are my words hurting them or is it healing them? Am I lifting them up or am I tearing them down? You know, and and, and, and that's that's really important to to, to do that. It says anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good word, think think about that for a second, but a good word. How many of us know somebody needs a good word, right? They've they've been dealing with issues and they're they're just not feeling good. You know, they're feeling depressed. They're feeling like nobody loves me. They're just this, a good word. Yeah. When was the last time you gave a good word to somebody who was dealing with anxiety, who was dealing with distress? So important, right? It says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Wow. Do my words heal or they hurt? Do they lift up or do they tear down? That's... That's something that we have to answer, all of us. Hey, you know, I want to get into Ephesians chapter 4. And I wanna, I'm going to read this. I'm out of Proverbs for a while here. It says, it no, let no, I'm late, New, New American Standard Bible. It says, no, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such word as is good for edification. Okay. Let me read this one, Mother. I need something a little bit here. Okay. So, good Frederick, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. 
So I want to consider three things to think about. Every time you and I talk, we're in a conversation, you know, the first question is, is it really necessary to say what I'm about to say? You know, sometimes uh, I've, I've been in, uh, I call them toxic atmospheres. And someone might come up and they want to say something about a particular pastor. And they want me to join in, you know. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I can, what good will come out of what I say? Whether I agree or do not agree with them, it's not going to solve the problem. See? You know, we have to think about this. Is it really necessary that I, that I give my opinion about this situation? Do I really have to say something? Or should I just try to change the conversation? No, let's not talk about that. There are things that we shouldn't talk about. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't continue the conversation. When I was up here um, during this visit, my wife and I went and visited with a, a family. He was living in Chihuahua with me as a missionary the first year I was there. And then he, he, he came back to the States, worked here, worked in the fire department. And, um, here in, and he's retired now. But uh, we went out and had breakfast together. And somewhere, I forget exactly what I said or he said, or I said probably, probably about what the, the general situation of the country is here in the United States. Yeah, I live in Mexico, when they have their own situations. But I started to say something. I just noticed how that his whole appearance like altered. is like, you know, it was like uh, Hulk, you know, I think. I said, I don't want to take the conversation there. I said, sorry. Let's just talk about Jesus. You know, you can, ne- you can never get in trouble if you just talk about Jesus. And you, you, we all need, you know, to think about that sometimes when we talk to people. You know, so there's some conversations that just aren't doing any good. It's not helping me. Hey, I don't need your gar- garbage in my backyard. You know? And, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, and. I know there's a time as a pastor we have to listen to people and what they're going through in the situations, but that's different. That's different, and, and I'm there to help them get through that. But there are times where some conversations start, and I don't need to hear what they're saying, and I don't need to put my two cents in there. It's, it's not worth it. It's not good for them. It's not good for me. So is it necessary to say what I'm about to say? Number two, does it edify and bless the hearer. Okay, it says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such word, a word is good for edification, according to the need of the moment. Is, 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 what they, is that what that person really needs in this moment to hear? Am I giving him a, 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 an encouraging word? Am I giving him a word that's going to help him or her at this moment? Does it edify and bless the hearer? Does it pleasant words are a honeycomb? Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Politics. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one to, to work around. I, you know, I, we, we pray. You know, one of the things we do at our church in Chihuahua is that there is not a service that we have that we do not pray f- for our people in authority. 
And we thank God for them. You know, there's, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of what our present president in, in Mexico is talking about and wanting to do and the things that are changing. I, I don't like it, but that doesn't mean I can't pray for him and for other people. The mayor of our city, the governor of our, our state, uh, the police department. How many, you know, when was the last time as a congregation we prayed for the police department or for the, for the army, for the navy? For, so we, we, we make it a point that they, we, we put all that in. And so every time we get together, we've been doing this for years now, we take a time. Because, you know, I said, you know, I looked at my congregation. I said, it's so easy to criticize but it's so much more aprovechoso, um, uh, so it's so much more beneficial to pray. That sounds pretty good, though. beneficial. Okay. It's so easy to criticize people, but it's more beneficial to pray for them. It's so easy to criticize the government. And, and believe me, they give us enough to, to do it. I mean, there's no lack of... of, of uh, Nothing hidden anymore. So, but you know, and, and we can disagree, but you know, but there's a time and a way and, and, and to do things. But you know, we can we can really hurt people by giving our opinion about things, and instead of helping them heal, we hurt them more. So we have to see: Does it edify and bless the hearer, or I'm I'm just making him more angry. You know, he was angry to begin with, and I said, yeah, but you didn't know this, and boom, and I said, and he gets more angry. Well, we need to, we need to change the way we talk, church, family. We, we need to change the way we talk. We need to uh, try to keep away from toxic atmosphere. And, and when we're there, we try to change it or stop it for the moment. Third question, the last one, will we grieve the Holy Spirit? So important. What are we talking about? Is it, will we grieve the Holy Spirit? I know I have grieved the Holy Spirit. You know how I know that? I've come away from some conversations and I feel dirty. It's kind of strange. Maybe someone else has felt that way. Don't raise your hand. But, you know, we come away from a conversation and instead of being good, we feel good about, we feel like, oh man, I'm dirty. I said things I probably shouldn't have said. I heard things I should You know, did we grieve the Holy Spirit maybe? Maybe we need to repent. Lord, I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have said that. And sometimes we have to go to the person and say, I'm sorry I, I, I said that to you. I really didn't mean it. Or even if you didn't mean it, you say, I'm sorry I said it to you. James says, "Lest you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak. That's not like the slow to speak, you know. It's like, and not slow, like, you know, talking slow. I have a friend that we visit him every time we're here. He's up in Albuquerque, I mean, in Santa Fe. He's just turned 90. And so, he, you know, he has a hard time understanding when people leave messages on the phone. So he always says that, after the phone call, he says to leave a message, speak slowly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so he said, 
Hi, Rudy. It's Joe. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of crazy. But James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet not does bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, his testimony is worthless. I'm going to change that a little bit. I'm going to put a little bit of paraphrasing there. Your testimony is worthless when you, when you don't bridle your tongue. Okay? We need the Holy Spirit. And I know i got three, three minutes, right? Three minutes, I think. We will go right through this really fast. We need the Holy Spirit because the bottom line is we cannot control the tongue. James tells us that. When you're studying the book of James, and some, some of you are, just when you get to that, it says, every, every species of beasts and birds and of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, and full of deadly poison. Why, James, why did you say that? <laughs> because he knows human nature. Oh, it just feels so good sometimes, the things we say at the beginning. Mm. But when it gets down deep inside, it's, it hurts. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. We did that this morning in praise and worship. Beautiful time. Don't go out of here and ruin it. Sometimes we don't even get back to home and we've already said some things to our wife or to our children or to our friends. You know, don't ruin it. Holy Spirit, help me control my tongue. I need you more than ever. And that, that's so true of all of us. I, 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 I'm included, you know. It's just like I say, you, just, you get out of church and that guy cut right in front of me. Man, you know. Or that, that person, it was my turn. You know, and we want to justify it. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah. And I think those things happen because God wants to, to real, reveal to us how we really are. We need him. With it, we bless our Lord and Savior, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. Three things in, in finishing here. We have to decide... Because that's a decision you make and I make. We have to decide what we permit in our lives. Only you can do that. Some of you need to stop watching the news for a while. I get overloaded when I watch too much news. You know, some of you need to change the channel. Some of you need to, you need to get out of the toxic atmosphere that you're living in. You know. Except if it's your wife <laughs> or your kids. You know, I mean, <laughs> some things we have to, to work with and to do what we can do. But sometimes there's some people that we need to unfriend sometimes. You know, we try to help them. There's some people, you know, I know we all love the Lord. It's, it's, uh, we say we all love the Lord. And, but there's some, some atmospheres that you need to get away from. It's not helping you. We need to forgive those who offend. Okay, it's not for us to, to um, give justice out. You know, and that's also in James, if I remember correctly. I said, you know, God takes care of that. You know, 
He is a just God, so that he he is he is a he can be just and do what needs to be done in any any offense that we we live through. Because we we don't we pretty much we our our way of looking at offenses. He did that to me. Now I'm going to do that to him. But we want to do a little bit more. We don't just want to give back the same offense. You know, I was listening to a pastor the other day in a beautiful teaching. Don't take the bait. And he said he had a thing with his wife that, that when they were in the shower, he would, she was in the shower, he would throw in a, a cold glass of water, you know. <gasps> you know, think about it for a second. Then she would, when he was in there, she would get a big bowl, you know. She would go, and they, so he thought it, was, it would be a funny thing, you know, and a good thing and to, to catch her unaware. So she was sleeping. Yeah, you can imagine. He poured it on her face. And you know the end of the story. No one, no one laughed. <laughs> and it was the last time he did something like that. <laughs> you know, we have to control those offenses. We have to, we have to ask God to help us forgive the people. I mean, it's, it's so clear. We all offend. I'm sorry, I probably offended somebody today. Maybe I haven't, maybe I have. But we all offended and we all get offended, right? I mean, gosh, curly hair. I mean, <laughs> and we need to let the healing process begin. And how do we do that? We put it to, before the Lord. God, I need you more than ever. God, I need you more than ever. It's it's so hard right now. It's so hard to deal with what we have sometimes in our in our lives in our heart but it also starts by talking you know the, the it says that um, what we say it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god and so you need to i need to we all need to see what does god say about you you are important you are loved you are accepted because we don't all get that. You know, I didn't get that as a, as, a, as a young man. I wanted it. I wanted my dad to say, hey, I'm proud of you. Even when he was still alive and we were doing missionary work in, in, in Mexico and, and things were going really well, you'd think, well, gosh, son, I'm happy with what you're doing with your life. Never heard it. It hurt. It hurts when you don't receive uh, words of affirmation from the people that are close to you, especially when it's dead. And I had to come to the conclusion that the only person that could do that is God. And in fact, it's the most important person because if we look for affirmation in any other place, it couldn't be, it could be dangerous. Some of you remember an old Western song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm. Yeah, looking for affirmation in all the wrong places. Can we just pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak with, the, with each, each one of us, okay? And then, and then I'll let Mark come up. Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to share with the church, with our family in Christ. And I just ask that you would... Help us to work through all the issues that we have, that our words can be a blessing 
to the people who hear them. And can we also speak to ourselves, Lord, the way you see us and not judge ourselves, Lord, but also just know that you love us even when we're not the best, even when we're not the son or daughter that we should be. Your love is eternal, and it never, never, never changes. And Jordan, Holy Spirit, so I ask that you would speak to all of us, that you would start a healing process, that we would be healed of the things that have hurt us over the years, and that we can be an instrument of healing to other people. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.